but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> I swear Anyways. I'm getting so much spam all of a sudden. I was reading about this. It's not just you. Apparently, it's true. Uh, it's like, first of all, the bad guys are taking advantage of the weird days. Uh, and I don't know what else, but, uh, you know. And if it weren't for the spam, how would you know where to buy hand sanitizer and face masks? I mean, it's a public service. I still don't know where to buy hand sanitizer and, and masks. Well, then you're not reading your email, apparently. Well, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. I have. Right. I literally have not been reading my email. I just look at where it comes from. It's nope, 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 nope. Um. Usually I put a fun, funky, weird story at the very beginning of the list here, and I thought I was, and then I actually read this story, and it's just hardly, almost barely not a, a, an aviation story. Well, you I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a one-off. It definitely is um, over the top. So you got a Learjet you don't know what to do with. So you right? got a Learjet you don't know. As I said in the headline, you, you just don't want to put ADSB in your right. Learjet, okay? Right. You're just not going there. You're just yeah. not going to go there. So, what, so what might you do other than that? What would you do? What are you, who are you going to call? What are you going to do? So somebody, uh, this has got to be Las Vegas or L.A., um, but somebody took a Learjet. Or Dubai. I don't know. It could be Dubai. Uh, someone took the, a Learjet fuselage, and this looks like... I don't know, maybe a 60. Uh, it's not a 35. Um, and no wings, but kept the engine nacelles and the tail uh, and crafted on uh, four wheels, like, you know, on a road vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah kind basically of, that, put a put a yeah. Learjet body on a chassis. On a chassis. A, I don't know, a, you know, an F-350 or 650 yeah. chassis and, or something. And, and, and supposedly this is, uh, you turn it into a quote-unquote limousine, and supposedly this is street legal. There, there, you know, which streets, what jurisdiction, those kinds of details seem to be missing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Again, it depends on which streets, too. Is it the U.S. Yeah. or is it uh, yeah. someplace else? Where's the story byline? Let's see now. By the way, this is a man of many. This is really a website that you read, I, No, no. It's not a <laughs> website I read. Man of many. This is something many. I came across in my Dot feed com. somewhere. Yeah, okay. People, Frank D'Angelo and Dima Kashavatsky kind of sound like characters in, uh, uh, what was that, uh, HBO series? Uh, not Sopranos. Sopranos, yeah. Oh, Sopranos, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, well. But anyway, um, cost $1 million to build, yada, yada, yada. It's, you know, a ruby red uh, thing. It's going to have, you know, no low-speed uh, um, collision uh, uh, capabilities. Um, the interior is, I guess, typical for the times. Um, but, um, I don't know where I saw this. It looks like it's got, it's got a tag on it. I can't tell, you know, which jurisdiction the tag is in. Oh, really? I don't see that. Where is it? It's one, see of, here. one of the photos down towards the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, well, that sort of is the shape of a United States license plate. Yeah. Know. It's got a Chevrolet pickup pulling. Oh, wait, no, there's a better picture down here. All right. Yeah. That's definitely a U.S. license plate. I can't. I'm not sure Let me see if I can that. look closely and see the state. Keep talking. All right. Um, but it is what it is. It's, it's, um, 
uh, just one of those crazy things that people do with airplanes. And, and as I say, you know, they just really didn't want to put ADS behind this Lear. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I was trying to. So the, the license plate number is very clear in one of the pictures. I just Googled it, but it's not come up as a as a find. And uh, see, I could pay money to find out who owned that license plate. You can't quite make out the state. So, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. David, you're pretty quiet. Do you ever desire to make your airplane into a car? By the way, this is a rotable airplane. Yeah, you know, this is like maybe this solves that problem. I, well, yeah, it's it's rotable. It's just not flyable. Yeah, it's just well, not flyable. you know, yeah. it was how, flyable once upon a time. Depends on how powerful those engines are, I guess. Right? Uh, oh, now you now you're of, getting into Darwin Award territory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're, you know, um, uh, um, but. I think so, the uh, license plate frame has a backup camera in it, too. Could be. I would hope now, so. I, I just scrolled so. to the very end here. The last picture in the sequence doesn't give me a lot of confidence about its rotability since they're carrying it around on a trailer. Well, right. yeah, that's that's a great, great observation, actually. But um, it's color-coordinated. The pickup truck matches the airplane. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to see the uh, license plate on the truck that's towing the big trailer, and I can't quite make that's, that out. Uh, it looks like a dealer's uh, tag on the front. Although, it, color it t- color matches the uh, the uh, yeah. airplane yeah. car. So yeah. uh, um, We know it snows there. And wait a minute. What the heck is going on here? Hang on. The wingtip, the, the, the horizontal stabilizer. I mean, I lost the story. I saw that. I the wing tips fold in. This is to make it street legal. Wait a minute. Now I'm not seeing that on the on the one where it's on its wheels. I'm only seeing that on the one where it's on its trailer. Oh, you can. There's def- no wings. On no, this not, thing. not the not the wings. The the, the horizontal the stabilizer. Horizontal stabilizer, and the tips f- fold up. This yeah. has got to be to make it narrow enough to do something. I don't know. Go into some storage space or drive through. Go under a. How else are they going to get it through the drive-thru at Mickey D's if they can't pull it? Well, you know, I don't know. From the angle I'm looking at here, it doesn't look like the tips of the horizontal stabilizers are much wider than the outside of the wheels. So, uh, but, yeah. Well, I mean, that's easily fixable. I got got a few tools we could take care of that with. I'm surprised they didn't do it already. Uh But I think their major problem is going to be like vertical clearance. I don't, you know, not horizontal clearance. Yeah, but... And and obviously it's slow the same vertical. Anyway, so this is like, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, when you're done with your airplane, it, it'll fly. Yeah, once, once. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, shelter at home, uh, uh, Dover, New Hampshire, uh, on the banks of the Cochico River, which is like, you know, nature's just chugging along just fine. All right. I, I, you know, I go, I go out regularly for walks and, uh, and, uh, you know, spring is coming. The robins have arrived. The trees are budding. The squirrels are, you know, waking up and digging up their nuts. That sounds bad, but they're, you know. Spring has sprung is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and, 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 you know, nature's nature's doing just fine, um, but none of us are, are, you know, doing much of the normal things anyways. Uh, and I'm, But I am here doing one normal thing, and that is uh, in our little virtual hangar here, which is, uh, which is virus-free, uh, talking to my two good friends here. Uh, uh, one of those voices out there from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. Yeah. 
easy for you to say. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. How are you? Yeah. How, how's I, everything? I'm spiffy. Yeah. Um, all things considered. Uh-huh. Uh, and I say that in a, uh, ambiguous way. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, still on the right side of the dirt. Uh, still got plenty to do. Uh, still cranking out magazines and other articles and, um, uh, looking for the next page to turn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all kidding aside, remaining healthy, right? Remaining yeah. healthy. You're in yes. good shape. Yeah. 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 No more healthier, no less healthy than I have. Been. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like to the extent I was ever healthy. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. I am right now. Yeah. Uh, and from the air capital of the world, although it sounds like from the news not much longer, uh, is uh, Wichita, Kansas, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. I'm sorry. That was a nasty Wichita. That, that'll go down in the annals. Of, yeah, uh, that was a nasty Wichita crack there. How are you doing, David? I'm doing fine. Yeah. Just toasty. I mean, uh, like Jeb, I, 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 I'm a shut-in normally. I, yeah. I work I work from an office behind my house. I don't drive to an office with people. Uh, I don't go to work. I get out in the park next door a couple of times a day with the dog, and we maintain our social distancing. Matter of fact, the leash yeah. I've got her on is 40 feet long, so... It can't be jumping from canine to human. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, apparently, well, okay, that's another story altogether. Um, although, David, you know, we've always, I'm well, pretty sure you, we, you realize, you know, we you feel realize, this way. You know, you realize early on in this, though, yeah. that uh, there were concerns that um, pets, house pets, might be able to catch or transfer. Well, and it, I don't and, know and, the transfer and, Let me finish. Out. Let me just let me finish. Okay. I rehearsed this, all right? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, and uh, the WHO, the, the, the World Health Organization, put a quarantine in place for dogs that were traveling around the world and whatnot. Okay. And they did the research and, and all this kind of thing, and they finally figured out that canines could not transmit the virus. Right. So the World Health Organization, WHO, let the dogs out. Uh, okay all right well okay that's all right there you go i'm there just you saying go. i'm just there saying. you go um david we were talking about david david <laughs> so the thing about david is uh you david are is that uh we've always remarked on the fact that you are much more of a social butterfly than either jeb or i um, you, you know, all kidding aside, you normally lead quite the active social life. I mean, in terms of, I, I, I'm not sure <laughs> that sounds bad, but no, friends, you have lots of friends and you have lots of organizations that you're part of, uh, and uh, you're always talking about your favorite, uh, you know, beer pub and things like that. And so I'm sure it's a bit of a lifestyle change for you to not be able to take advantage of those things. It's crushing. Uh, crushing? Well, crushing. Not, I wouldn't put it quite that strongly, but it's a bad thing. I agree. Yeah, you're 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 not happy with that. Well, there's no place to go. Nothing's open. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can get uh, carry out from any number of places, or I can have food delivered, uh, which doesn't solve the lack of social interaction with yeah. other human beings. That's right. that's what's missing from the world for me right now. Is uh, there's no bloody place to go that's open. I can't go into. The rusty nail for a beer on happy hour. I can't hang out with my pilot friends at uh, at uh, uh, the AC Ducey or uh, oh, a place up on North Broadway. The Stick and Rudder Club. Uh, 
if they're open at all, it's for carryout, uh, and most of them just aren't open. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I had to make a uh, bank run uh, on Monday, and it wasn't a holiday, but driving didn't, from my house over to downtown, which is like a mile and a half, uh to the local branch that i use and it was four fifteen in the afternoon their normal hours are 6 p you know uh, 8 a.m to 6 p.m they were closed they closed at four <laughs> yeah. there were notes in the every, everywhere we're closing yeah. at four uh so i use the uh you know the the the, the armed uh, unarmed teller the atm machine made my yeah, deposit right. there so i didn't have to come back again what was what was unsettling is driving by all these places that at four in the afternoon four fifteen in the afternoon generally have parking lots crammed to the max right yeah. and people on the street um uh, Humans, human beings walking around doing things in the fresh air. Uh, bloody downtown was just next to deserted. Oh, yeah. uh, all these empty parking lots. It's unsettling. It's like uh, the last, you know, what was the movie with, uh, uh, oh, Jiminy, he was big in horror movies, but it was The Last Man on Earth. Uh, well, there's been a handful of those kinds of movies. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it does feel sometimes a little bit like that. I, I, I was tw- I was joking on Twitter a while back about how uh, one of the few things that I will actually miss when things get, hopefully, cross fingers crossed, back to normal. Um, is the how easy it is to cross the street when you're walking around downtown? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, as a pedestrian, and you know, I live literally at the edge of a downtown. So I, you know, David, you're a little bit in that kind of an area, and Jeb, you're not at all. But uh, you know, I walk around downtown, and you got to be careful not to get run over by cars. Normally, now it's just like, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, there are great many times you go to cross the street and you just kind of quickly look both ways because it, but there's no cars coming. There's no cars coming, and uh, it's like being in miss, London. Yeah. Well, yeah. if there if there were cars coming, you'd hear them because of the silence Everything's of the so streets. Quiet. Yeah, the sky is beautiful uh, yeah. when when it's clear. I just this is like this is like shades of of uh, the in the days after nine eleven, um, because there are so few jetliners um, up there. Um, there's a lot less um, moisture in the higher altitudes, and the sky is just spectacularly blue when it's nice out. I, I, I'm sure I'm seeing that, I'm, and I've read a little bit about it too. Um, it, it's uh, you know this, there there are you know uh, I'll take the old there, way. There, there are some upsides to this. Yeah, I'll take the old way, but for the time being, try to find enjoy what we can. So, anyways, well, I'm glad to hear both of you guys are doing well. Um, I, I actually that's not a surprise to me because we've been staying in pretty good touch. Um, um, but uh, I've heard occasionally from listeners who are asking, and uh, rest assured that uh, as of now we're we're still doing well, and and we're doing our best to follow the rules and stay stay safe and stay healthy. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any advice we have for for you know pilots about what to do during this thing. Um, there's plenty of information out there about how to be safe and and how to fly in this modified world Uh, i think one of the things i put on the list was about disinfecting your cabin and headphones and mic muffs and all that stuff kind of a repeat of what dr brent blue uh gave us that we talked about the last time yeah uh 
It's uh, going to feel weird when it goes back to normal. It's going to feel very weird. I, that's another thing I tweeted recently. I said, I said, you know what's going to be weird? The the next time I uh, shake hands with a stranger, <laughs> it's going to be very weird. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll get back to that. Um, so yeah, check out. Uh, I, I, my suggestion would be to just check out uh, organizations like AOPA and, and EAA and and others for uh, specific advice. Talk to your uh, local FBOs um, or your flying and or flying clubs. Um, I'm sure they've all um, spent a lot of time thinking about this and just try and be careful. Um, fly as needed, um, but but try and be careful is my advice. Anything you guys want to add to that before we? I. Uh, if you need dual instruction, I think you're grounded um, for the time being. Um, I know Virginia, for example, is under you know a, a mandatory social distancing kind of yeah. thing, and published on the Department Virginia Department of Aviation's website the advice that because of the order in place in Virginia that. Um, <clears throat> dual instruction in, in light airplanes is basically prohibited. That's their conclusion. That's not their regulation. Right. So I was talking with a friend in California yesterday or the day before. Interesting thing, apparently in California, um, either his local FBOs uh, or the entire state have judged that flight instruction is an essential business. Really? Um, and that that. Flight and 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 he was telling me that some of the CFIs at his airport are as busy as they have ever been. Um, Interesting. And and he and I both questioned the wisdom of this um, because right. I just can't imagine spending time together in an enclosed cockpit in a safe fashion. But uh, and you know if your business depends on you flying, then you need yeah. those ratings and you need that training, and that's fine. But if you're just like pursuing your private or, or anything like that. I just think that's unwise myself. Um, you know, but it, but apparently in, in either all of California or some parts of California, flight instruction has been judged an essential industry. Go figure. Well, and if you follow the, you know, if you follow the disinfecting and cleaning uh, guidelines that are out there from everybody from AOPA and EAA to NBAA and NATA and, uh, you should be minimizing your exposure. I mean, and I see most of these uh, simple surgical masks. Uh, you can talk through those to the microphone about the same as you can without them. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I can understand why the uh, CFIs are busier right now because they, all their customers have all this free time and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Well, there is that, but you know. Anyways, I don't know if I'd, I'd go that way, but the, yeah, you know, I, you know I, anyways, it, it depends. Uh, I mean, is this your livelihood and you're taking a check ride? Um. About the only thing flying these days are cargo flights. Right. Yeah. But and I don't, I don't. very minimal passenger flights. Very minimal passenger flights. some of the passenger Seen flights. that video of the, of the aircraft landing oh, at yeah. Pittsburgh, I believe it is. It's, a, it's an airport near Pittsburgh. It's not Pitt. It's not Pittsburgh. But, but uh, and, and as it, as it rolls out on the runway, there, someone was shooting video out one of the side windows, and um, it is just almost the entire length of the runway has two and three and four abreast jetliners parked um, all the way down the run, all you know, all the way down the taxiways. It's crazy. Um, 
Two more bits of uh, of, uh, of virus-related news here, um, and this is not news. Everyone knows this. Um, sadly, Sun and Fun got canceled finally. Um, so, uh, you know, initially it got postponed. I'm not sure where we were on this subject at the time we recorded our shelter-in-place episode. Had it been postponed? I think it had been postponed at that point. Yeah. Um, but since then, it has now been officially canceled until 2021. David, you seem to be a little bit more up to speed than I am on, though. They've got some online uh, replacement activities. What's that all about? Well, they're trying to backfill, basically. And uh, uh, there are a number of things that uh, happen at Sun and Fun and at Oshkosh, for that matter, that can be packaged and made available online without too much trouble. The person is going to have to make the presentation like they normally would, the workshop, the forum, but this time do it from a safe place and in front of a video camera, and then it can be streamed out to whoever wants to log into it. So I don't think we're going to get to see any of the air show acts on the video. But darn, darn. Yeah, I know, right. huh? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, yeah. and, and nobody's coming to my front door offering to sell me three cases of oil. I know. So, I, I know. Mean, you really are missing out on that oil thing, I Jeff, really you? am. So I, I just. Well, that's, this, this for me is the, is, is the biggest downside to all of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jack was talking about my socializing proclivities and and they're definitely on display when i'm at an air show or convention uh i mean it when you get all that all that many people there that uh are in the same business you're in and you need to talk to those folks pretty regularly there's nothing like an opportunity to spend a few minutes face to face which we're not getting and it struck me that that's what's going to feel like the biggest hole from this whole thing is all these people that I see once, twice, three times a year not seeing. Yeah. And probably won't see that if the current trend continues. Right. Uh, yeah. AEA was canceled. Uh, HAI got in under the wire. Uh, Sun and Fun's canceled. Uh, Farnborough's canceled. Arrow Friedrichshafen's canceled. Uh, man, I want somebody to cancel my tax bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. there's that too. Yeah, yeah, really. Now, on that subject, um, the uh, Air Venture, so we're recording this in sort of almost mid April, April 9th specifically, although I don't think this is going to get on the net for a week or so. Um, but m- let's call it mid April. As of right now, Air Venture is still technically on uh, for late July. Um, but they have said that they are thinking about this very carefully. And, and they have said that they're going to make a, a decision sometime in May, um, which kind of makes sense. Um, May is when they kind of have to start making decisions because that's when, when setup and prep really kind of gets going, um, you know, in, in earnest. So, uh, and it gives, you know, it gives them a enough time to get going from May if they decide to go ahead. It also gives them enough time for people to make make you know decisions or fix their plans if they decide not to go ahead. I you know it would be great if AirVenture happened this year. I'm a little dubious. At least happening in July, they say that one of their things they're considering is pushing it back a little bit. 
um, maybe pushing it to late August or, or even into the fall. Um, so, yeah. you know, they're, well, they're, they're thinking about, everybody is thinking they, they about They have different. to. They, they, yeah. have, they have but, to think uh, what the options are, and they have to, um, um, you know, make some contingency plans. Yeah. So, um, anyways. I, I would venture to simply say that um, it's really kind of sort of out of their hands. I think it is. I think it won't. The decision will be made. The decision will be made, but the the outcome of that decision. Well, let me put it another way. Um, yeah, never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, you I think. Can cut yeah. this crap out. Later. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think the circumstances in mid-May will make it very obvious what the decision needs to be, um, and we'll see. Stay tuned. In mid-May, for the calendar challenge, is only four weeks away. Well, you know, four or five weeks, depending on how you count these things. But yeah, so we'll see. Time will tell. Um, and uh, we wish all of our air show operator fly-in friends the best, because these are tough financial times having to cancel these well, big and, shows. And this is uh, going to kind of sort of be part of my uh, my shout-out. But um, there's a lot of smaller air shows out there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, almost every weekend, well, let me put it another way. No matter where you are in the lower 48, almost every weekend there's an air show near you that you could drive to or fly to. Sure. And, you know, they don't have the Thunderbirds, um, um, but they might have some, some really cool uh, airplanes. Mm-hmm. There might be, you know, Patty Wagstaff might come through. Uh, it all depends. Um, these are not big shows. These these shows are not run by the big outfits, but these people make their living that way also, and they do a great job. And that whole side of the industry um, just isn't happening right now. There's so many other sides of the industry that aren't happening right now, uh, yeah. but that's that's one that doesn't get a lot of visibility. Right. I mean, this is in a larger sense true in the entire, however you want to characterize it, the events industry, the gatherings industry right. is completely closed down right now. Anyways, um, let's, you know, okay, so everybody, we wish everybody good luck. Um, please be careful. Please be, well, be healthy. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll stay in touch. But uh, We can't um, afford to lose listeners. Yeah, I know, right. I know. Um, let's talk about regular stuff here. There's like, you know, there's a few things going on that aren't, aren't, uh, um, aren't. Uh, <laughs> Jeb, uh, what, what is this? What is this Maxwell airplane? I, I think the actually, Maxwell. Yeah, so. This um, is a, uh, a, an electric airplane? It's, it's the latest X plane from NASA. Mm hmm. They call it Maxwell for some unknown reason, um, but it is a um, utility-sized airplane, propeller-driven. Uh, the propellers, uh, there are 14 of them, apparently. I, I, well, this is where I'm kind of fuzzy. There's two big propellers on the wingtips. Right. And then there's 14 motors in its wings, hanging down from the wing. I don't understand why, <clears throat> why there are 14 motors. Um, so it's 13, too big 13's propellers. an unlucky number. Yeah, right. Or, well, 14. Or yeah, there's 14. So here's my theory. I suppose I could read the article. It might actually tell us, but, yeah. but I don't want to do that. Let me just guess. It's, um, it's better to speculate. Yeah. So here's my theory. Now, the uh, yeah, you're right. There's, there's two larger motors and they look to be electric not not like you know 
piston engines or right. anything like that. They look to be electric, uh, um, way out on the wingtips, um, as if you had taken and put propellers on your tip tanks. Um, right. So those are one or, of each. You know, at tassels, the maybe. Yeah, Jeb? Never, never mind. Never. So there's one of those at each wingtip. And then there are one, two, three, four, five, six smaller motors under each wing, equally spread under the on the underside of the wing. Um, so that's another 12. So that's where you get the 14. And the interesting thing, one of the interesting things to me, is that the ones that are under the wing um, have the kinds of propeller blades that seem to be self-retracting. You see well, these that's on that's what planes. seems to be going on here. And let me also jump in. Um, this is not a scratch-built airplane. This is something that's been adapted by NASA okay. from yep. a, a, a already existing uh, airframe, the Technum P2006T, okay. which is a high-wing utility light twin. But here's um, my speculation on the difference between the two engines, types of engines, all right? Motors. Um, and that is that um, for low spe- for like sort of takeoff climb kinds of situations, you use all the engines, all right? But once you get into cruise... Motors you power down the smaller underwing ones and just use the wingtip engines. Yeah. This is my theory. I, I, I think also that the the motors arrayed um, on the underneath the leading edge of the wing, wings, uh, and you look, there's a couple of different, <clears throat> several different angles, I, sh- I should say, on this. And if you look closely, the um, fore-aft location of those motors uh, on the underside of the leading edge of the wing are staggered uh, to give, I guess, presumably, clearance for the propellers. And the propellers themselves seem to be kind of sort of spring-loaded such that they retract when mm. the motor's not turning right? but extend when the motor is turning. Thirdly, just real quickly, it does seem to be blowing some air. The design of this is is on purpose. Putting these propellers in in that location is on purpose. They do seem to be blowing air under the wing. Yes, which is a yes. beneficial thing for low speed handling. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know. This this is interesting. Trying to uh, not blow my credibility, but I'm actually reading the article here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's see now. Uh, because the X-57's wings are optimized for high-performance cruising, it needs help for takeoff and landings. This was done by spreading 12 small high-lift yeah. motors along the wing, giving the X-57 a total of 14 motors, 12 small motors on the leading edge, and two large cruise motors on the wingtips. I'm the man. That's exactly what I just said. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. By the way... Uh, uh, wait a minute, where'd it go? I had it here a second ago. James Clerk Maxwell is the guy who basically discovered electromagnetism way back in the day. Oh. He's an electricity guy. Uh, you know, and Maxwell, yeah, Maxwell's, I'm sorry, it's not Maxwell's silver hammer. There's, isn't there like a Maxwell's equation or something like that? Uh, listeners, send me an email telling you this. Maxwell's I believe equation. that there's some sort of famous nerd formula that is like Maxwell's equation or something like that. Here, I could probably, in a minute, I'm going to Google that, but for the time being. So, uh, that is interesting. Uh, it's, it's an interesting airplane, I think. And, uh, yeah. Maxwell's equations, according to Wikipedia, are a set of coupled partial differential equations. Yes. That, that together with the Lorentz force law form the foundation of classical electromagnetism. Who's the man? 
I mean, there we go. Well, okay. I, I, when do you, are you receiving your doctorate, sir? <laughs> a doctorate in, a doctorate in, you know, it's like jack of all trades, master of none is really literally the case here. Uh, I, it's a cool little airplane. It's, I mean, I, you know, obviously they're never, uh, not obviously, but probably they're never going to like make these to sell them to people. But as a, a test bed for how to do electric aircraft, interesting idea. One thing that to me would take getting used to, yeah, vis a vis an electric airplane, mm-hmm. is the weight of the aircraft never um, decreases during the flight. Yeah, yeah. I just i i i have to get my arms around that. Okay. Not, not that I have to do it today, but but that's just something you couldn't other than. You couldn't take off with a light load of fuel and expect the airplane to handle differently than it it would when when it was full of fuel. You could that, shed that, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you could shed passengers. Yeah, but that's always that's always been the case. That's always been the case. But right, my point yeah. is, if it's just you and a little bit of fuel, yeah, the, air, the airplane is going to handle a lot differently than if it's just you and the tanks are full. Oh, I see. So you're you're bemoaning the fact that you're not getting lighter as your as your trip. I'm Late. saying that that's a new consideration. Yeah. Would, would be a new consideration if I were flying an electric airplane. Right. right. Uh, it worked fine for some of the pilots I know who never do a weight and balance on their arrival fuel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we've too. all known pilots like that. That's, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, as a pilot, this used to this used to infuriate me with my brothers and 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 even my dad um, on the boats at Lookout Point. Um, so we, for years, had this twelve foot aluminum boat, um, and it had a moderately not a very big engine on it, and so as a result, it was always underpowered, and so you were always kind of like trying to you know get the most out of this engine. And my my brothers and dad always wanted to put the gas tank, the fuel tank, you know, this classic red metal fuel t- marine fuel tanks they always wanted to put it way up in the bow like as far forward in the in the boat as you possibly could because when it was full that helped you it get, got the bow down and helped you get onto a plane and i kept saying no 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 you got this is like the weight of this thing changes as time goes on you've got to find out where the center of flotation or mm-hmm. something is on the boat and put it there i could never convince them that this was this was significant and i and I, you know and then we had boats with, with with electric motors that actually had batteries like like trolling motors and i said put that way up in the bow cuz that stays the same weight but uh, yeah i see what you're saying jeb well it's just a brave new world with these electric electric uh, you know motors electric airplanes so, uh, David, well, any other thoughts here? Are you going to put electric motors on the, on the Sonics? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? It's been done. Yeah? Yeah, Sonics did it itself about seven or eight years ago. Uh, put a, uh, a large power density electric motor up front and a battery uh, right behind the seat and flew it around for a while. I think it was part of some kind of... Uh, a development program where they were entering a, a their airplane as a prospect and anyway it flew at oshkosh uh and it was very weird and the paper sent me out to photograph it flying and you're used to hearing a motor and it's sitting there and waiting for its clearance and the guy waves it on it's sitting there props dead stopped not moving 
And then all of a sudden, the prop fires up, and down the taxiway she goes. And then it gets to the runway and waits for clearance. The motor stops. No sound. It was very... Yeah. Settling's not the word, but it was... Yeah, it was different. It's just a completely different behavior. And your expectations have to be adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, cool. Um, We should maybe get... uh, I don't know if we ever have another fly share show where we all gather. Um, our, our buddy uh, um, um, Brad, uh, who brings us the chocolate from right. Germany, right. Um, is very involved with Pipistrel, um, right. and uh, and and one or at least one of their aircraft is a is a a pretty uh, um, I was going to say advanced, and I don't mean technologically advanced. I mean in terms of their development cycle and production cycle is. I, I think they are actually selling them. This electric airplane that they've got. It's a shame and, we don't have some device that can yeah, I know. tell I, us I, what but, this company but, um, is. But um, he, he, he I was talking with him last summer at, at Oshkosh about it, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting airplane. He knows a lot about the whole subject and the pros and cons and the, you know, the, the not so much pros and cons, but the strengths and weaknesses, I guess would be a better term. Of, yeah, uh, electric also known airplanes. as pros and cons. So, well, uh, by energy, that's BYE energy uh, out in Colorado. Uh-huh. It's, it's selling its electric trainers. Yeah. Are they actually selling aircraft now? I didn't know that. I, I'm somewhat familiar. Um, full disclosure, I, I have a family member who does contract work, sort of at a second or third remove on those projects. So I'm aware of it a little bit. But um, I didn't know they were actually selling aircraft. Are they? So he'd be taking orders, and I understood that they were uh, uh, producing airplanes to yeah. fulfill the orders. So cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find out I'm wrong at the next episode. Electricity <laughs> is the future. I'm telling you, man. Well, the, the real winner in this is the guy that comes out and, and invents the elastic extension cord. <laughs> no, better batteries, man. Better motors, better batteries. Jeb, it sounded like you were trying to jump in there. You no, right? no, no, no. Okay. Um, New. Uh, moving on here. Um, so the uh, I, I you know like one of the earliest things I learned when I was in my flight training, um, pilot training, was that before you do your run up, you look around behind you to make sure that there's no yes. one back there that's going to get blown away. Um, I guess maybe that's a little harder when you're in a business jet. Um, but we this Twitter this tweet. Um, from someone, I just came across this tweet. I have no reason to believe that this person is a listener, um, but it's from Twitter user, oh my goodness, Jack Deck New, J A C D E C N E W, Jack Deck New, um, and uh, has posted a video of a uh, business jet. It's not a business Well, I guess it's not a business jet, a Canadair CRJ. It's, it's uh, apparently an American Eagle Envoy uh, yeah. RJ. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently at San Luis Obispo Airport, um, doing a run-up in a spot that doesn't look like it would be that much of a problem. But wow, um, just wow! Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he does the run-up, and then the the camera pan. You know, we see the airplane, you know, somewhat in the distance doing this run-up, and then the camera pans sort of to the rear of the airplane, and we see the a couple of airplanes parked, uh, getting blown around, and then we see a hangar just completely getting blown up, blown away. Just the, literally tipped right over. Yeah. Just I mean, amazing. it's just like the, the jet blast was sufficient, and the hangar door was open, and I'm sure that's what contributed to this whole thing. If the hangar door had been closed, it that's might exactly not happen. That's exactly what the problem was. But the hangar 
caught the air and the air they say this is the way it works with hurricanes too is that yeah. your house can be okay until even one window gets broken open and then once the air can get a grab on the structure like yeah. that um it's bad and that's what happened here um they went in the hangar door and just lifted the roof off and then lifted the whole hangar up and over it's like crazy according doesn't the, doesn't the text also say that airplanes got turned over yeah turned over small it, airplanes. in I the didn't front that in the video yeah, in the very almost the very last frame you can see like like main gear sticking up yeah okay yeah or something I, maybe not but th- those two airplanes that were kind of in the middle of the pan seem to be unaffected but right those are the ones i kept noticing pe- they, they, they were getting they're, they're, i'm sure there was around, an airplane but, in the yeah. hangar too yeah you know they got trashed so. but uh crazy look behind yeah. you before you do your run-up i uh you know I, I had a running battle years ago when i was at manassas with um the airport management decided 100 feet away from me uh, in my hangar was a great place. Uh, okay, 150 feet. Um, was a great place to put a Bell 412 EMS helicopter. Yeah. And um, the the crap that got blown in my hangar, even when the hangar door was shut, was amazing. I'm sure it happened to a, a bunch of other people are on the hangar mm-hmm. row also but and you know I'd, I'd have my hangar open i'd be working on the airplane or something like that and they'd crank up and i'm like guys and they would just blow all this crap in the door i had to i had to stop everything i was doing and go close the door um and it was just a mess so and that was just one helicopter yeah, I remember. I only visited your hangar there once, and I, I, I think you, you showed me. You pointed to where that was. Uh-huh. And it was not I, far I, away. I, I'm sure colorful language was involved in this discussion. <laughs> I'm sure there was. It was a while ago. I don't exactly remember, um, but uh, I, I, I do remember you being troubled by it. That's for sure. Troubled. That's a yeah. great word for it. Troubled. Yeah. Troubled. Yeah. Troubled. And uh, uh, David, you ever get blown away by, uh, by stuff? Annie and I were leaving, taxiing for the runway at Kansas City International. Well, it, I believe it was going to be uh, one eight or one nine right, and uh, I had my head down, setting a frequency, and looked up, and there was a seven thirty seven stopped in front of me, and I was closer than I should have been. And when he gave his seven, the captain gave enough thrust for that airplane to move, my airplane moved. Yeah. And it got the, uh, the, the, the starboard wheel truck off the ground, uh, from the jet blast. And I wasn't sure that I had enough aileron power to keep it from going all the way over. Mm. And we scooted backward about four or five feet. And, uh, then he started to move onto the runway, and all was good again. But it scared the bejesus out of both of us. Oh, I uh, bet. Uh, it was night, and uh, hard to judge the distance with the belly strobe on that airplane going off all the time. But it was my fault for having my head down, changing a frequency instead of paying attention to where I was taxiing. So live and learn never happened again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful when you're doing your run up. 
You don't know what's going on behind you, and you might be more powerful than you realize. Uh, this is an interesting item here, Dave. Uh, Jeb uh, Spurs. Um, so uh, Spurs. Um, this uh, I, I'm. We've all seen these posters. Yeah. The second one in the story is a little bit more familiar to me, but the first one is kind of interesting. So this is a uh, vintage poster. I don't know if it's actually from those days, but it's a recreate. Sorry, I moved away from the microphone so I could look closely at the picture. Um, it's labeled the 1919 U.S. Army Air Service Flying Regulations, and it's a list of 27 things that pilots sh- mostly should not, but should and should not do. Um, and uh, and Jeb, what's your favorite? Which is the one that catches your attention? Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they're all uh, the one. one of the, isn't there one that in, in, stay in the middle of the air? And uh, used to I don't be. know. So, well, these... so, so here was my reaction to this list. Yeah. All right. So first of all, I, I immediately 1919 is a significant date relative to today, by the way, in, in these pandemic times. Sure. All right. 1919 was um, 1918 and 1919 was when the big flu uh, pandemic happened. Uh, and I actually li- read through this list wondering if there might be something in the list related to flying when you're sick or something like that. And there's not. Um, so there's no relationship there. Coincidence. But then I read through the list, and I was really surprised, impressed to see how many of these things are still advice today, almost yeah. literally things that they'll teach you now. Things like don't taxi faster than you can walk is one of the things in here. Uh, let's see now here. Um, they keep referring to the airplane as the machine, which is just sort of a thing from back in the day. Don't take the machine into the air unless you are satisfied it will fly. All right. Uh, never leave the ground with the motor leaking. All right. Don't turn sharply when taxiing instead of turning short. So this is has to a ground, you know, because tailwheel drag, tail draggers. Um, in taking off, look at the ground and the air. That's, that's an interesting piece of advice, I think. Um uh, never get out of the machine with the motor running yes. until the pilot relieving you can reach the engine controls. Uh, to this day, that's really good advice. Uh, pilots should carry hankies in the handy position to wipe off goggles. Which, well, yeah, there you, you go. know, always good advice, but yeah. you know, maybe not so much these days. Maybe, maybe call it something other than a hanky. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, no man must taxi faster than a man can walk. This, of course, was a different age. We'll, we, we might replace that with person these days, but you get the idea. Uh, do not trust an altitude instrument. Uh, okay, you know. Uh, certainly keep your scan going so you know whether this a mismatch. Uh, let's see now. Uh, learn to gauge altitude, especially on landing. Uh if you see another machine near you, get out of its way. Uh, no two gadgets should ever ride together. Wait a minute. No, sh- no sh- I'm sorry. Jeb, this is to your point. I- I've quoted you on this many times, and here it is right now, phrased a little differently. No two cadets should ever ride together in the same machine. What is it you like to say, Jeb? Um, you know what I'm talking about? You said the only thing more dangerous than an aircraft with one pilot is, is an, an aircraft, aircraft with, with two, two pilots. pilots. Yeah. 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 Uh, never run the motor so that its blast will blow on another machine. There we you just go, talked so about that, we right? We talking about that. Uh, before you begin a landing glide, see that no machines are under you. Uh, flying against the wind. I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm try not to read every single one of them here. Uh don't attempt 
it's kind of hard to read here. Don't attempt to force machines onto the ground with more than flying speed. The result is bouncing and ricocheting. That's true today. Ricocheting. Yeah, uh, terminology is a little interesting, but yeah. Uh, and here's the one that Jeb seemed to be tickled by. Uh, uh, aviators will not wear spurs while flying. All right. Which, that, was, yeah. that was number 22 on the don't do list. Yeah, I know, right. You know, um, don't use aeronautical gas in cars and motorcycles. Uh, <laughs> uh, never. I don't quite understand this one, but I guess it was a different age. Never take a machine into the air until you are familiar with its controls and instruments. Well, y- yeah, all right. Uh, if an emergency occurs while flying, land as soon as possible. There you go, you know. It is advisable to carry a good pair of pliers in a position where both pilot and passenger can reach them in case of an accident. And I skipped over one that I liked that I now I can't find it, but it basically said if you have an engine failure on takeoff, it says land straight ahead, regardless of obstacles. Yeah, yeah. So. Regardless of obstacles, well, yeah, I was always taught you got to land straight ahead, but but don't hit anything. That's the key. Just don't hit anything head on. Yeah, fly the airplane. No, no, serious advice. I this is 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 uh, is fly the airplane all the way till it stops moving and try not to hit anything, um, and you'll probably survive. Yeah, I think that was. uh, Oh, who's the who's the? I'll I'll think of his name, Bob Hoover. He said something okay. like that. All right, I, I can yeah. believe that. Sure, fly, yeah, fly the way, through the crash. Yeah, fly through, the, fly all the way through the accident or something. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Sure, I'll and that, that 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 uh, prohibition against spurs had a brief respite in the late forties and early fifties with the first few generations of ejection seats because they had a couple of. Uh, I, forget which service it may not have even been in the u.s but a couple of pilots who punched out uh survived the ejection but landed with no feet yeah okay yeah because the force of the uh uh what was a ballistic charge on the ejection seat caused their legs to fly forward as the seat's coming up and the bottom of the instrument panel would catch on their feet and take them off at the ankles. So pilots took to wearing spurs so that they could hook their boots onto the front rail of the ejection seat before they pulled the red handle. So you're saying the spurs prevented you from being injured in that way? Yep. Okay. Then they got better ejection seats, and the prohibition against spurs came back. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, interesting list. We'll put a link in the show notes for people who can uh, who want to take a look at the list and uh, um, and the article. It's part of a larger article in uh, in uh, GA News. Um, uh, has a bunch of or a handful, anyways, of uh, this kind of an- antiquities, antique, old signage, and pictures and and whatnot. Cool. Interesting stuff. Anything else to add? Not to that. No? Uh, okay. I, after reading this, I feel comfortable selling my collection of spurs. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, 
Uh, different reasons you can't hang on to it. Um, a bit of podcast business here. I just wanted to sort of um, uh, update people on something. Um, so this this is episode number 497, uh, which means we've got three more to go before we would theoretically hit episode 500. Um, we have for months now been planning to uh, uh, do something very special for episode 500, um, probably to produce some sort of elaborate celebration episode um, about f- episode 500 and about the history of the podcast and you know where we've been and where we've come from and where we're going and all that kind of thing um and uh, but but the virus um has uh, and, and more specifically the fact that because of the virus we're not getting together down in florida um or we didn't we would have done it last week um because we didn't get together it kind of messed up all the plans we had for producing this special episode um and um, and rather than do something minimalist and, and, and kind of less interesting and exciting, um, we've sort of made a, 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 a decision here. Um, and the decision here um, is that uh, we're going to postpone episode 500. Because you can do that these days, all right. Now we will eventually do some sort of fun episode um, marking this 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 kind of fun big milestone, um, but we're going to pretend like it hasn't happened yet. Um, the podcast is going to go on. We're not going to stop doing the podcast, um, but for now, episode five hundred is postponed. And uh, in the remaining couple of episodes uh, uh, up through four ninety nine, we'll talk a little bit more about how this is all going to play out. But uh, um, but. Anybody who might have been expecting or looking forward to or or whatever, episode 500, um, it's going to be delayed, hopefully in some sort of fun, creative way. But time will tell. Um, so that's that's my little bit of podcast business here. Uh, uh, Supreme Court. This is the United States Supreme Court, right, David? Yes, sir. Uh, they did a nice thing for aviation. I'm not really in the mood to discuss the Supreme Court today. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. Okay. But, you know, all right, okay. They they did, though, apparently uh, do something. I don't know if they actually made a decision or they or they just declined to, uh, to to weigh in, I guess, is what happened here, on a, uh, on, a, on, a on a case that had to do with an uh, airport in, what, Connecticut? Hartford. Yeah, yeah for their ability to extend the runway. Do you know the details here, David? What, what was this all about? Yeah, this is uh, late last month. Uh, the uh, SCOTUS, as they call it in D.C., U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal involving the length of the main runway at Tweed New Haven Airport in Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut officials had asked the justice to justices to review a lower court ruling that overturned a state law limiting the length of the airport's main runway to its current length, 5,600 feet. Uh, Airport officials said the law prevented the airport from drawing more commercial flights because the runway is too short for most commercial planes to take off. Uh, There were as very often happens with these kind of uh, debates some NIMBYs who opposed lengthening the runway for the very same reason they they weren't interested in seeing more traffic coming into Tweed. So uh, they sued to block it, and they won, and then they lost, and then the Supreme Court declined to even review the case that they'd lost, freeing the airport now to 
pursue, pursue their plans for extending the runway and expanding service. Uh, I look at that as a win for the airport and a win for the community's ability to control its uh, airport to its own needs as opposed to, well, we don't want more airplanes here, so you can't do that kind of right. attitude. Right, right. And it literally sets a precedent, a legal precedent, to give airports a little more clout, right? Yeah. Well, whether it's uh, whether it sets a precedent depends on whether anybody follows it the next time it comes up. Well, yeah, but it gives them a little more ammunition the next time this argument comes up. Yeah, Jeb, like, go ahead. Like Definitely that's never happened. Some horsepower. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm sorry, Jeb. What I was going to say, following precedents, like that's never happened. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so, okay. Well, good. Good. That's a good thing. Um, the next two items, kind of quickly, so I think these next two items are, strictly speaking, um, uh, uh, coronavirus-related items, um, but I think they might apply in you know over the long run, too, here. So the FAA has upgraded its um, – FAA upgrades and updates its runway safety simulator. A lot of us are using this time to kind of learn some new skills and, and, uh, and deepen our skills in areas where we already have some experience. Um, and l- improving your flying, I- whether or not you can fly during this time, um, there are lots of online things, and this is one where you can, you know, get better, improve your flying skills and your experience and your you know, knowledge and, and whatnot. What's this runway safety simulator, David? Well, it provides a set of scenarios for you to uh, to watch and click through, and you get to answer some questions and what you would do. Uh, and it covers things like uh, the anatomy of a wrong surface event, uh, you're landing on the wrong runway. Uh, there are several scenarios, and it's updated periodically. And I, I use it occasionally just to kill time waiting for phone calls to come back. But uh, I found it useful. The animations and the scenarios that they use are all drawn on uh, on uh, r- real life occurrences in our general aviation community and sometimes the airline community. And uh, worth something to play with. And since we all have more free time to not do things than we usually do this might appeal to some folks that are itching for an aviation fix yeah yeah uh, is it really a wrong surface event a wrong That's surface because event. wrong runway doesn't just roll off the tongue because <laughs> wrong surface event does yeah. it's a a wrong surface event Wrong. I have to think about that one a little bit. I don't know. Okay. You were uh, supposed to land on a runway, just not that runway. Yeah, I know, right. Uh, well, yeah, or, or sometimes, you know, um, uh, Harrison Ford, sometimes it's not a runway we're talking about. But uh, um, so, okay. And then this other thing here, this is a bit of advice, David, this um, um, pre-flight planning um, in these days of, of, uh, of COVID-19 short you know, uh, short, uh, what's the word I want here? Short uh, manpower shortages and whatnot. Um, so what does this say? This says, uh, and I think I, the reason I left this on the list is I think this is actually good advice all the time. Yeah, um, that's something that a lot of us do as a matter of course. Yeah, which is, and tell me if I've got this right, as part of your pre-flight planning, pre- prepare for the possibility that when you arrive at your destination airport, the tower is not working. Is that correct? That's that's the case here. 
Uh, yeah. That's what this safety notice is about, uh, put out by AOPA, because we've had some instances already where facilities, not always towers, but facilities, air traffic facilities have had to stop handling traffic and close because of the infection. Right. Uh, they had somebody that had been exposed, somebody who was hospitalized. Uh, they uh, basically shut down that facility to get it cleaned and scrubbed and disinfected while they tested the uh, staff that worked there to make sure that it hadn't spread to others. Right. Uh, a lot of us, and, and the idea is to be planned for having to divert to an airport not the one that you had in mind. Right. Uh, a lot of us do that as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I would be flying Air Comanche back into the Wichita area, I always had the charts and plates, particularly on IMC days, for my nearby alternates because it might be above, above minimums at Augusta 3 Alpha Uniform, but it might also have a damaged airplane on the runway, on its mm-hmm. only runway. Mm-hmm. It, it might have had a flat tire. Uh, it might have ground looped and broken a strut, and they're waiting for somebody to come out there and pull it out of the uh, way and put it in the hangar so that it can be looked at and fixed. I always considered and was taught that this was just a, a normal part of pre-flight preparation and a smart thing to do. Uh, for instrument days, uh, three alpha uniform in those days had only a non-precision of VOR approach. Uh, but mid-continent now called Eisenhower and Newton. And if I wanted to go far enough away, Hutchinson all had ILSs. So if push came to shove and I couldn't get into Augusta, I'd always have the plates and procedures up and handy and a little special folder that I have uh, for flying the instrument approaches into one of those other three airports, whichever Mm -hmm. one was the most favorable for the conditions. Uh, Because you don't know. Somebody run out of gas and just be sitting there on the runway, unable to move. Uh, I landed in uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana once years ago with a, uh, a unknown to me, a uh, flat tire on the nose gear. And after I got it slowed down enough, I was able to nurse it off the runway and onto a taxiway. But if I hadn't been able to do that, I would have been 25 minutes on the runway before they could get me towed off and back into the maintenance hangar. That's 25 minutes that people can't use that runway. And if you're coming in with bingo fuel, it's not a good thing to do, uh, that'd be distressing. Yeah. And yeah. the closest alternative to Jeffersonville, Indiana, uh, was across the river in uh, Louisville. Uh Bowman Field and Louisville International. Uh, well, that's not a place I'd want to try to get to on bingo fuel because they're both 11 and 12 miles away and across a river and past a hugely built-up urban downtown area. Uh, not places where I want to fly if I'm low on fuel. So it was always this plan to make a new decision. Mm-hmm. And that was the way we use it. Sometimes you just have to make a new decision. Yeah. The decision you made at pre-flight planning 
is no longer available. It's non-applicable. Don't think about it. Don't try to land over that airplane stalled on the runway. You screw that up, and now you got two airplanes in an accident. Right. So, right. Yeah. Cool. This runway safety simulator is a nice way to practice some of those uh, scenarios and find out what the experts did. Very cool. Jeb, anything to add to that? No. Okay. Um, I'm going to save this uh, Embry-Riddle weird vest thing for next time because I want to talk. Because I'm going to save it. Um, but I am going to say shout-outs. Um, nothing exactly on the list, but Jeb, you alluded to having a shout-out. Yeah, no, I, I uh, um, oh, forget. Oh, the, the air show people. Yeah, what were you talking about? Yeah, did you about do it? How the, they're not being able to ply their craft. Ah, uh, yes. So, uh, I, you keep know, them I, in your thoughts, as it were. Absolutely, keep them in your thoughts. I've actually started a list. I actually have a little list I'm, I'm keeping on my computer of the things that I, not only the things I'm looking forward to being able to do when when the world comes back, but the things that I maybe took for granted and like want to, you know, I don't know, support especially. Um, and that's a good example, all right, is like, you know, your local and regional fly-ins um, that uh, you don't think about too much. Maybe you ought to go looking for them, you know, later in the fall or whenever it is we get to, you know, go outdoors again. Um, I agree. Good shout out. David, oh, um, you know what, David, tell me a little bit about, I'm sorry, I skipped over this and I didn't mean to. Where'd it go here? Uh, I don't know. Ed Scott. Oh, my old buddy. Uh, Ed and I were together at AOPA years ago when I was there, and uh, he was part of the staff. Uh, Ed really went out of the way to make me feel at home when I came there. I'd met him before. Uh, Ed's a skydiver, long-time skydiver, and he invited me to a, uh, a, a crab boil and I got there, and being new to the Maryland area, I was not yet versed in how to crack crab shells and the key way to open them up and recognize what's edible and what's not. And you only make those mistakes once. Uh, ooh, that those are the gills. They don't taste worth a dime. Yeah. Uh, and Ed, it's not there. And where's Ed? Oh, he'll be here in a second. I think that's him up there. And I looked up in time just to see a, a 182 going over and a couple of jumpers come out. It was Ed. Mm -hmm. Well, Ed moved on from AOPA to the association that uh, represents the skydiving community. And over the years, he moved through the ranks until he ran the place. And now he's uh, retiring. Uh from the U.S. Parachute Association. Uh, I just wanted to do a shout-out to Ed and say congrats on all the good work you did all those years. He really did a lot to put the association on the map and to bring it into the 20th century. Uh, jumping has grown. Uh, he was 13 years as the executive director, and he was 24 years with the association overall. Uh, and when they hired him, I uh, could not imagine a better choice for running USPA than a guy like Ed Scott. So, Ed, congrats on your retirement. I know you're not going to stop jumping, uh, but uh, hopefully you're keeping that rig in good shape and working it out as often as possible. So, congrats. Very cool. Very cool. 
Okay, I think it's fork time here. Um, I want to uh, thank you guys. I, normally, I thank you for taking some time out of your busy day in order to. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what am I going to do today? Oh don't, yeah, I don't guess. make me come up there. <laughs> so, but uh, in any event, whether or not whether or not it was an effort on your part, I do appreciate it. It's always fun talking with you guys, and I appreciate it. Uh, that's uh, that's Jeb Burnside, who's Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? I uh, just put the uh, May issue of uh, safety in the in the can um got a lead article on uh flying defensively um got another article i'm talking about atc zero when you know uh, atc has to close the facility for for an unforeseen reason um and uh, a couple of others one on uh, um instrument arrivals and and uh, uh how you need to uh think about um um what's going to happen when you when you get to your destination and what if you can't quite make it uh what if you know these kinds of things and then finally vacuum pumps uh, our our love-hate relationship with vacuum sexy content tell you man i i don't hold back (laughs) yeah so that's what i've been working on got another project coming up here for uh the aircraft electronics association which uh, is is trying to reinvent uh, something that didn't happen, yeah. Um, um, at their convention, so still still kind of scratching our heads over how that's going to work out. Uh, but other than that, just kind of watching the end of civilization. Okay, <laughs> yeah. L- living la vida loca. What's that? Living la vida loca. There you go. There you go. Where can people find out about you and all this stuff on the internet? Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, AEA.net for the Aircraft Electronics Association. Uh, I might pop up on AIN Online. I might pop up on AvWeb. I might pop up on um, General Aviation News. Who knows? Yep. Twitter? You're just, you're just a popping kind of dude. I'm just, yeah. I'm just popping all over the place, man. I, uh-huh. I uh, uh, Kind of like the Easter Bunny. Um, um, on Twitter machine, uh, yes. Burn, Burnside J. Burnside J. And Dave Higdon. Dave, uh, thank you, Dave. It's, uh, Dave is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's App Buyer Magazine. What have you been working on, David? I know you're keeping busy, too. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, my, my general workload has actually gone up a little bit because mm-hmm. of this crisis. Uh, and, uh, which it's not gone up enough to offset what I'm not going to get because I'm not going to some of these shows that aren't happening. They always produce extra material for feature stories downstream. And if I'm working on finding ways to replace some of those and and to backfill a little bit like Jeb's talking about. But this month's avionics news, I have two pieces of, one on crash avoidance tools. Uh, looked at what's available there to help keep us from running into each other or running into the ground or obstacles. And a reminder that tools notwithstanding, they only work if we pay attention to them. Uh, sometimes the warnings are there and the pilots are not noticing so it's always up to the pilot hmm. uh the other story is a uh piece on the uh return of two inch gps navigators to the market uh thanks primarily to garmin uh it'll fit in the same slot as that old uh, kln 89 
Uh, it was an IFR GPS for its time, but it was in route and terminal area only. You couldn't do precision approaches like the new wide area augmentation service GPS navigators. So uh, we're finally moving backward into moving up. So, uh, and I don't remember what I've done for the others. Just, That's fine. Tell us a little bit about where on the internet can they find information about these things. Well, for Avbuyer, it's avbuyer.com and click on the magazine link and you can find uh, whatever I've worked on this for this month, uh, AEA.net, as with Jeb, that's for avionics news. You click on the uh, on the uh, publications tab, and there's a magazine. Click on the cover, and it'll take you to the magazine, ready to read and ready to look. And cool. uh, Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Real Higdon. Uh, don't do Facebook uh, or LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, I've been working on nothing. Uh, no, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm envious of you guys. Uh, I, I mean, we're all struggling a little bit here, but I am envious of you people who are still able to do your regular jobs more or less uninterrupted um, because uh, my day job is just gone, disappeared. It'll be months, months before I get to go back to work. But I'm trying to use the time productively. Uh, and uh, so uh, I'm, I'm learning, some, as I alluded earlier, I'm learning some new skills here. I'm trying to up my game in terms of some of the uh, digital media stuff uh, that is that is um, doable. For example, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I've been studying, um, there's a program called After Effects. Uh, uh, some people will know very well what After Effects is, but it's basically a high-end sort of Photoshop for video, for motion. Um, and uh, I've always wanted to learn more about After Effects. So I've been doing that and producing some things here. Um, anybody who looked to the, at our website will notice that the, uh, the uh, episode uh, graphic for, for last the, uh, episode, and probably for this one as well, um, is not a still graphic. It actually has motion to it now. Um, and so basically for some time now, I'm probably going to be adding all kinds of gratuitous motion to all of the graphics that you see um, on uh, on the podcast and, and whatnot. Um, I've got a really cool version of the uh, of the UCAP logo that I'm about ready to post too. So, uh, so I'm learning After Effects. That's kind of fun. Um, of all things, I'm learning to speak Italian. I... I I'm having a lot of fun with this, actually, um, and and it, the the fact that it's Italian has nothing to do with the troubles that Italy has had with the virus. So I've actually chose it Italian months and months ago, um, and I've just returned to it now. But uh, I'm actually learning to speak um, um, la 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 mucca e bianco. Bianca, excuse me. Oh, that was terrible Italian. I'm really now I'm embarrassed. I may have to cut that out. Um, so. Uh, uh, that's what's keeping me busy right now. Um, I'm posting some, a few things on YouTube, so you'll be able to see some of this motion graphic stuff there. Um, uh, you can find me on almost all of the online places using the username Jack Hodgson. Uh, for example, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Twitter Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can find my eBooks um, by searching uh, for Around the Field in the Books section, um, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, UCAP is uh, also on Twitter. Uh, we are class. G airspace there. It's class with the letter G airspace all bumped into one word. Um, and uh, of course, there's all kinds of information about the podcast, uh, uh, present and past, uh, at our, our homepage, which is uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? 
The key to long life is avoiding COVID-19 and flying because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan and you don't need a mask for that. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And just remember, the only time you can have too much fuel is when you're on fire.